genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one special musical guest minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. Hey everybody, this is Brad Mendenhall. You may remember me from the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. Yes. Uh, welcome back, Brad. Glad to have you here. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad I, I could uh, repay the favor. Uh, Scott was uh, kind enough to be on two really good episodes of uh, our show, and uh, it, it, it's fun to be on the other side of it plus i don't have to edit this so that's exciting <laughs> luxurious yeah <laughs> speaking of editing uh we today we're talking about minute 65 uh which begins with uh max saying i'm sorry while norman is crushed in the boardroom and ends mm-hmm. with peter spotting mary jane and harry on the balcony through his camera lens while the sweet sweet sounds of macy gray play in the background ah uh, yes yeah this is um, the world hashtag Unity Festival. 2002. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Even in 2002, seeing this movie, I was like, really? Macy Gray's in this? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because that's because she had one hit and blew up for a year. But by the time this came out, it was she was already done. Like it had yeah. already it already happened. Because I remember I remember in like the first because I'm a big Gilmore Girls fan. And I know in the first couple of episodes it's either like the second or third episode it's the first um, episode they just had argued about whether or not rory was going to go to children oh it's the pilot not. yes okay. <laughs> okay so so that means that means if it's in the pilot that means 2000 um oh, and in early 2000 because they would have shot that pilot you know in the winter like early winter 2000 for the 2000 fall season so mm-hmm. Yeah, Macy Gray, not a a, a big uh, musical act in 2002. Certainly not. Um, I mean, actually, you know what's funny, though, is that she's kind of perfect for a world unity festival, <laughs> which is just the most, like, BS, like, corporate <laughs> uh, sponsored event of, like, see, we like other countries and other cultures. Look at all these white people wearing their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. and, and so, like, Macy Gray is, like, the perfect, the Headliner perfect for that. musical act for that. Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's just like, oh, wow, you guys are so out of touch. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess let's start at the beginning of this minute because um you know, we've talked a lot and not not in a while because not since Bonesaw. Um mm. but we talk a lot about how there are certain lines of dialogue in this movie that have just sort of seeped into my everyday life where I will just 
use a line from from this movie, not even really fully comprehending that that's what I'm doing, but I but I yeah. but I am. <laughs> it's just so inundated into my my head that um I'll just say a line, and one of those lines is absolutely. Am I? <laughs> Where you have to wipe wipe your yeah. mouth with the back of your hand first. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. <laughs> it works in all sorts of situations. It's yeah, a, it's a really handy. Are you? Hey, are phrase. you going to that movie this weekend? I don't know. Am I? <laughs> um, yeah. No, I just I I I love. The way that he does that. I have no idea why he wipes the, pe- the <laughs> mouth with the back of his hand. Like, oh. what, is, what is he doing? I, I don't know, but I love every second of it. Uh, but in any event, I, I love that line. And, it's so uh, good. <laughs> I, I, I say it uh, maybe not quite as much as the bone saw stuff, but I definitely say it a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. I love um, that. And then he's <laughs> I, I want to see the rest of the scene. They cut the scene because we're moving on to another thing. But yeah. I want to see the rest of what happens because how does what happens after he says, am I and smiles at the board? Yeah. Does, everyone does he say, just well, like, I guess a uh, good meeting, guys. And everyone yeah, just gets up and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll be going. Uh, see ya. I want to like, I want to like drop in the uh, the scene from Dogma, the boardroom scene there. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't say bless you when I sneezed. Carnage. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, th- that's just the thing it's... with uh, TVs and movies, entertainment in general, where you plot people into a really uncomfortable scene, or a horrible breakup, or an angry argument, and then the scene cuts away, uh, and I always think it's like, you know, what happens next? How do you both leave that room or get out of the car or you're driving back from Atlantic City or whatever you're doing and then you realize you, it's like those people still have three hours in the room together or yeah. in the car together. <laughs> I, and, I, <laughs> man, how great would it be if real life worked out like that where, sure. <laughs> I, you know, I remember in college I took a girl to a play. It was like her third or fourth date. I thought things were going fine. Turns out she didn't uh, share that sentiment and she broke up with me. Oh, no. In a gas station, right after seeing the play, I'm like, we have a 45-minute car ride back home. And uh, my first time, I was like, well, I guess it's time for her to find out I smoke. And I didn't, I never did in front of her, so I just went back in the gas station, got a pack of cigarettes, and lit one up. I was like, yeah, I do this. And we drove back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the in-between moment. I remember I, uh, <laughs> I used to work for Universal Studios very briefly as a tour guide. And they... Um, they let me go, I think, because they, uh, they had too many of us on in the, the early summer months, and they had to just let go of a, a few of us um, on the <laughs> on the docket or whatever. And so they had the, like a really awkward, like, yeah, we really like you, Zach, but, you know, we're going to we're gonna let you go. We need back your badge and everything. I was like, okay, cool, whatever, that's fine. And uh, then they're like, oh, we have to let you out because you were – I was behind the theme park in some, like, weird administrative building that had all these levels of security – and I had to give them back my, like, employee badge that let me in there. So, like, we had this very calm, like, quote-unquote professional moment of, like, shaking hands, everything's fine with you, we're moving on, greener pastures, whatever. But then I had to walk with that same guy who just fired me to the elevator so that he could get me out. And then there was another level of security at the bottom, so he had to ride the elevator down with me. 
And <laughs> when we when we got in the elevator, one of the other tour guides I knew got in. So we had to like sit there and have like, you know, oh, how's the weather? How's life? Whatever conversations after the firing on my way out. And I had oh, to like boy. say bye to that other guy. Like, yeah, I'll see you around when I knew I was not <laughs> <laughs> going to see him around. This, this yeah, is, this, uh, <laughs> I, and, I, and I think, I, I mean, we'll see as we, uh, as we continue with the, with the Sam Raimi trilogy, but it seems like this film, especially is the kind of movie that doesn't exist between the cuts. Yeah. Um, like, like it doesn't, <laughs> It you know we were talking about it earlier with with the with the Uncle Ben car ride like oh you know let's let's let, let me talk to you for a second well we just drove an hour into town why didn't you talk to me during that yeah well, because the camera wasn't on so <laughs> it you know it didn't it, that that didn't exist well I like the trope in all the movies is like there's no time to explain it's like yeah there's time to explain there's always time to explain. Just, just right. let's not run the whole time. Or while we're like walk a little slower, talk. You have time to explain, but it's always the they follow them for a half hour to wherever they're going, and then they finally stop. It's like, okay, this is what's going on. It's like, really? <laughs> uh, uh, movies are fun. So, so uh, Brad, you you uh, requested the uh, the opening moments of uh, of the World Unity Festival and Macy Gray. Um, uh, so what what are your what are your sort of overall thoughts I guess about um about this this uh sequence and I guess I guess the movie in general this was such an just an amazing movie for me because there had been so much talk about uh, they've been wanting to make a Spider-Man movie for so long and you guys have talked about you know the arduous time they had getting this movie made and the different companies that were working on it you know the the James Cameron scriptment uh, with right. that was supposed to ha- that they talked about having Arnold Schwarzenegger as Doctor Octopus and all that goofiness, <laughs> and I was a huge Sam Raimi fan, so it was it was just very very cool that my favorite character is going to have a movie made and it's going to be directed by one of my favorite directors, and it was the same excitement that I got years later when they announced that of all people to direct an Avengers movie, it's going to be Joss Whedon. Because right. it, it it just every now and then the world feels like it's actually listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> and this was one of those occasions. And then, but I still had concerns because, as we talked about yesterday, Spider-Man had never really been done that well. You had the '60s cartoon that was uh had hey had a really catchy theme song and a great opening credits, but it was actually a pretty cheaply made and crappy show. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had the Spider-Man Saturday morning cartoons, uh, his solo cartoon, and him and the Amazing Friends that were very, um, they were action shows where you couldn't actually have any action, you couldn't have anybody hitting each other or anything like that, right, so right. you just ended up having a guy in a, you know, a sort of cool looking costume just swinging around and being ineffective. And then there was a live action show from the 70s where it was, you know, a, a, a sort of almost in shape guy, barely holding onto a rope, swinging across stuff looking awkward. So it was like, oh, I think, it, and even the the action, the, the comic book movies that had taken place before this, and when you think of Superman and Batman, and even uh, the X Men to a degree, yeah, these were superhero movies and they were action movies, but nobody moved the way Spider Man moved. Yeah. Uh, 
Superman's whole thing, and I, I love the Superman movies with Christopher Reeves, but really his thing was he would fly, he would land, you would hit him, you would shoot him, it bounce, it bounce off, and he would grab you and throw you in, a, in jail, and then someone would have kryptonite. That was it. The Michael Keaton Batman movies, it was more the tone and how dark and brooding Batman was, but he wasn't a really agile guy. He wasn't doing backflips and climbing up walls or anything. Uh, and the X-Men movies, uh, I love the X-Men movies, and but it was they still weren't uh, crazy, uh, hyper-real action scenes. It was Cyclops would shoot somebody with his laser eyes and then get punched and knocked down. And Wolverine mm-hmm. would cut somebody, but it wasn't hyper-real. Yeah. And... And I know it's easy to criticize when we look back the the first ads for the Spider-Man films. They were a little cheesy. They weren't necessarily didn't look like they were put together by Sam Raimi. But when I first saw him swinging from the webs, it looked so great. And it's like I've never seen anyone do anything like that where it actually looks like it's from a comic book. Mm-hmm. So that sort of goes to the other question where this was a great scene because. It looked like the, when you see the balloons and the setup and all the, all the craziness of this small world and this the the way the buildings look, it really looked like it was a very creative director's view of what a comic book panel would look like. Especially mm-hmm. the balloons. The balloons just had this weird feel to them, and it really set up what this was going to be. This great scene with. Spider-Man versus Green Goblin, and it was a great comic booky-looking scene, and uh, it was really like nothing you'd seen before. And uh, people have gotten, I think, a little dismissive of the the Raimi Spider-Man films. Yeah. Um, and I get it because we've now had ten years of Iron Man, Captain America, Avengers, and the DC movies, and we take for granted. Oh, you can make. Superman be really action-packed, and you can make a Batman film where Batman moves like a creature of the night, and Captain America can have these amazing fight scenes, but no one had done that before before this movie, and uh, you you, you got to give a lot of credit to being the per, the the film that sort of shepherded uh, this whole genre, oh, yeah. the way it's viewed now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The the we wouldn't be where we are today without without this movie, um, yeah, without a doubt. And I, th- I think uh, part of that like comic book um, aesthetic is even expressed in this uh, minute, not just through like the production design, but through like the device of like Peter Parker looking through his camera lens and sweeping through a festival, and then like spotting a Daily Bugle like front page, like the yeah. Daily Bugle with like a you know a a whole title about the big apple dreading a spider bite and then a picture of a realistic Spider-Man on a wall like that, that approach to literally framing things like a comic panel frame. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it just, it, it felt like reading it and it felt exciting and and real. Like the daily bugle feels real earlier when we're like there with J Jonah Jameson and stuff like that. But this is the first part where like you see it as part of the environment and Spider-Man is an accepted part of the world. And, I, I don't know. I just get excited about it. We don't even see Spider-Man swing in this scene, and I still get excited about how he's real in this universe. Well, I mean, I, it's important that we're 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 pointing. We we should point out the fact that um, you know it's cool seeing 
Peter Parker, you know, without his glasses, like post Spider-Man Peter Parker mm-hmm. walking around an event with a camera taking yeah. pictures like it's <laughs> it's it's Peter Parker, like the one that we see from the comics, because the thing about it, you know, is that even even the new movie that gets a lot of things right and mm-hmm. and like a lot of things like mostly right. Um, <laughs> one, one of the things that it doesn't even touch on is this aspect of 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 Peter and and the Spider-Man mythos of the Daily Bugle and mm-hmm. being a photographer and all of that stuff cuz that's that's later that's college time yeah. Spider-Man. Um Well, it's also hard to make that work anymore because True. It, it, b- true. Being a photographer of a newspaper isn't a real good job to have anymore. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I I remember you know in the Man of Steel where at the end of the movie, Clark talks about how you know he f- has the perfect job. He's basically he's going to become a newspaper reporter. It's like, no, you're not. Print media is dead. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it's uh, that. I'll be curious to see how they incorporate uh, incorporate the Daily Bugle into the the films in the future because they got to do it. It's part of the mythos, but how you do the daily bugle like what the daily bugle means cuz it it wouldn't be a newspaper anymore so i would be curious to see what they what they end up doing with it because yeah you know at some point y- you want to see that kid go up against j jonah jameson um, oh for sure I'm, for I'm, sure. j jonah is such a great character and yeah. i think the 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 andrew garfield movies really missed a lot not having him as part of it mhm um yeah. but the They've had a tough time. How do how do you get him being involved in uh, the newspaper business into these films? Um, they've even had problems with that in the comics the last few years. Right. Where th- instead they I know they've had J. Jonah Jameson involved because Peter uh, Aunt May married his dad. Right. Yeah. He was he was mayor of New York for a while, and now he he has a talk show on uh on on a you know, quote, like, quote, unquote, like not Fox News, but basically Fox News. Um, yeah. And so so he's like a talking head on on one of those shows now uh, currently. Awesome. Um, and, it you know, and it works. And, and you know, he can call for Spider-Man's head on TV uh, the way he used to in the in the uh, newspaper. So like it, it, I mean, it generally works whether that would work in a movie. I don't know. But we'll, we'll I mean, I guess we'll see. Um, I you think assume. they might be auditioning ideas via the. I mean, it seems like they do that. They audition ideas or looks or stuff in the comics, and sometimes they catch yeah. on enough to to be moved into the movies. Yeah. Sort of like you know the the Thor Ragnarok as they show where the Thor, the way you see Thor in that with the short hair and the look, right. has been something that he's sported in the comics for a while. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. True. It's very true. Um, it's great that that's like a thing we can wonder about in terms of like that comic book movies are such a entrenched industry now that there's like standards and, uh, you know, like testing grounds and things like that. Whereas like when this movie was being made, it was just like, oh my God, wait, they, they spent all this movie on a, all this money on a, a comic book movie. Like right. they spent, this was, this is going to be bigger than the Tim Burton Batman movie. Like this is odd this is a, a gamble and now it seems yeah. like a sure thing but speaking of the tim burton batman movie these balloons remind me a lot of that movie like that's 
always the first thing I think of uh, uh-huh. when I see this scene is like, oh, like I, you know, and I know it's just the it's just the Danny Elfman uh, connection is sure. what's clicking in my brain and and making those uh, synapses fire, but it it does almost feel like it's sort of like a you know kind of like a like a subtle visual reference to that totally. movie somehow like a little tip of the hat or something that was such a major sequence in that movie yeah yeah um, i don't yeah, know so. balloons outside of i don't know the macy's day parade or something like that are a weird thing anyway uh, well uh, this is this is a macy gray <laughs> I tried. I tried. Wow, we we all, that all just happened to all of us, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ugh. Well, I mean, she's there. <laughs> yeah, um, anyway, whether we want her to be or not, she's yeah. there. Well, well, I I, I got to be honest. I I was a Macy Gray fan. I I, I really liked Macy Gray because uh, she she had that sort of jazzy blues thing. She had mm-hmm. a great voice, and her that first album, uh, the the I Try, which was her big hit song that appeared in Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it was right. a great song, and she had an unusual enough look. And so you thought, oh well, she's obviously got talent because if you look like that, you're not getting, you're not obviously being a sex bomb. Sure. Right. And uh, then I got the second album. I was like, oh no, it's, she's she's a one album person. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she, I always preferred. Well, I always preferred because uh, she came out around the same time, I believe. Um, I always preferred Nora Jones, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, kind of similar, like jazzy, you know, R&D, adult contemporary yeah. kind of um, yeah. music. But I, I preferred Nora, jo- Nora Jones, and and I feel felt like she, her quality kind of stayed. Um, Consistent. A little more consistent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but like, you know, respect to Macy Gray at the time, you know, you the, when you're of the moment for a while, there's a reason you were of the moment. And, oh, for you know, sure. She, she for delivered. sure. She I, I don't delivered. I don't I don't have anything against Macy Gray. I just yeah. I just I just think it, you know, <laughs> anytime there's a one hit wonder like that. Yeah. You know, you 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 make a reference to them and you can't help but, but <laughs> kind of laugh a little because you're of like, course. You know, I, you oh, know, yeah. I, I, I'm making I fun that. of Macy Gray the same way I would make fun of like Uncle Cracker or, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that, where it's just like, oh, yeah, you had that one song that one time. Yeah, that's the thing that happened. There was a period where every third movie would end with them playing Smash Mouth All Star. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's very yeah. true. Uh, well, um, I mean, that's I, I don't I don't have a whole lot of notes here because it's. There's not a lot going on. I mean, we could. I guess we could talk about Mary Jane's dress, but I, I feel like we're gonna get a better look at it uh, next week. Yeah. Well, um, what, what, one last thing I wanted to, sure. to to call out was, and you mentioned there's Peter Parker and he's a photographer and he's going around taking pictures, and that's very true. Except for, it just strikes me as odd where, when I think back to the comics. Peter Parker was hardly ever a photographer. He would rarely go out to events and take pictures. It was always, he's Spider-Man, and he webs up the camera to the wall, and we would, would sit to automatically take pictures while he's fighting. So it actually looked weird. It's like, oh, that's, that's funny. I, in the comics, I rarely ever would see him taking pictures because he was, and they would this would be a plot point plot point in the comics every now and then he was a terrible photographer <laughs> right right but he just happened to be the only guy who could get pictures of spider-man right. yeah but there well, is the... the iconography of like just the, the image of him holding a camera or like him running from place to place with like a camera around his neck 
uh, yeah. is a thing that like sticks in my brain and mm-hmm. to like see that be a real thing on the, you know, on, on the screen, even if it, you know, doesn't make that much sense is still something that kind of like gets right. me in that little, little kid brain part of me that's like, Whoa, I, I see the thing. And now the thing's real. And right. Oh. Right. And, and, and as far as the, as far as the, um, the concept of 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 uh, Peter not really being a real photographer. I, I I feel like what he's doing. I guess in the context of the film, the way that I had always read it uh, prior to uh, the script, which is another reason why this is here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll get there in a second. Uh, but I in the context of the movie, I always just took it as. He wanted to get he wanted to sell other kinds of pictures to the bugle because he didn't like what the bugle was doing with his Spider-Man pictures. Sure. Um, Yeah. And so he like he like went to this event to like take pictures that he could hopefully sell. Um, But I I don't I don't know entirely what uh, what his plan is there. But that's that's kind of what I figured was happening. And then. I assume part of it is also that like, oh, well, I'll go down there. I'll take pictures. And then if anything happens, I can, you know, throw on my, my Spider-Man costume and, and save some people. And, you know, yeah. two birds, one stone. <laughs> well, they did set it up a little bit more in the movies because when we first see Peter with his classmates, he is taking pictures for right. the school newspaper. So right. it was set up more in the movies than it ever had been in the comics. In the comics, it really – I mean, it would be a joke where – his editor would say, "He's like, well, you, you, usually your pictures are terrible, and <laughs> right." Um, and then the other, the other reason that he's here taking pictures is because uh, there's a deleted bit from the script, the scene uh, prior to the Norman scene with um, with him selling uh, his pictures to the to the bugle for the first time, was actually a montage in the script, and and I I assume. Uh, when they actually shot it and then they edited it into a single scene. Um, but originally it was, he kept selling them new photos and then them turning them into bad headlines and he kept selling them in bad headlines. And then eventually he's like, can I do like anything else? Like I, I want a job, a photography job. And they're like, ah, do something else. And then it's Robbie Robertson who recommends that he go to the world unity festival and take pictures and try to sell those. Um, so, it was all related. And I think what that, what ended up happening was they, they cut the montage for time. Uh, and I assume pacing and then realized, well, like he doesn't need a reason to be there. Like we see the reason he's taking pictures. That's yeah. the reason for him being there. That's all you need. Um, and so I imagine that's kind of, uh, what happened there, but, uh, there was, there was a better reason for him to be there in the script. Yeah. Well, especially because now we go from uh, a Norman scene into the World Unity Festival instead of Peter struggling at uh, photography into the World Unity Festival. That like this is just uh, Norman's prior scene. Out am I, and then a a scene that's going to be about Norman. So it's it's almost like we don't have to worry as much about Peter's motivations for being there because we have the looming specter of angry goblin face uh right waiting in the wings i guess also that is the smallest telephoto lens i've ever seen (laughs) Um. (laughs) yeah he's got some reach with that thing yeah yeah i uh that's you'd almost say it's not possible Um, (laughs) it's crazy It's also great, like that. Everyone that's important to this movie happens to be within twenty yards of each other. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, well, Brad, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here. Uh, it's been great. Tell people about uh, Cosmic Geppetto because uh, that's a great show. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, we've been, been doing the Cosmic Geppetto podcast for about two years now, and it's a pop culture. Our tagline is: "It's a pop culture podcast where we talk about movies, TV, music, comics, and whatever else we feel like." Uh, we have had some fantastic guests including Scott Corelli has been on twice. Uh, Scott, you just knocked it out both times you were on. Um, we've been oh, really lucky you, to have you. It was uh, a lot of fun. T- I was happy to be there. Yeah, it's it's always a good time. Uh, we come out weekly, usually. Um, so we, we've had some great guests. Um, and, and everything is from people that I went to college with who I just thought were really cool and really smart to um, uh, musicians like uh, Richard Lloyd, who was the lead guitarist for the iconic 70s band television and worked with uh, my favorite musician matthew sweet on his album girlfriend and um comic book artists like uh, bob mcleod who was co-creator of new mutants um wow just nice. really neat people and it, it, it turns out it's really cool where if you just ask people and just shoot them an email you get you're, it's amazing who agrees to do stuff and uh that's what i did with uh, scott where i was familiar with um I was familiar with the the work that Julian Chalmers does, and I I needed somebody really cool to talk about uh, uh, Spider-Man and to talk about uh, Baby Driver. And Scott was nice enough to come on and just knock it out of the park. And uh, I I warned Scott that, you know, once you're in, you're in. So, uh, (laughs) Cosmic Jupiter Podcast, it's the uh, Roche Motel of the internet community. (laughs) You can check in, but you can't check out. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I was really glad that I could be on this. Uh, just a, I'm a, just been a huge Spider-Man fan for so long, and you guys are doing such great work. Thanks, man. And uh, thank you. You know, just doing genres in, in general has been so fun. I just started downloading your, your serial serialized uh, fictional podcast. Uh, the name, of course, is escaping me because oh, Geek by Night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, downloaded it. I've been listening to the first episode. It's just a very cool and such a different way of doing things and i i what dueling genres does that's so great is it's not just hey we are the minute by minute guys it's trying to do different things and stretch out and be creative and it's something that uh we want to try to do with cosmic geppetto uh we have incredible people um that, that we want to do that with and we hope to sort of follow the 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 footsteps that you guys have been leaving in the snow for the <laughs> the rest of shows like us so thank you very much for that well, thank you for all the, the lovely words, and uh, thank you for joining us, Brad. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, uh, we will be back uh, next week. In the meantime, if you guys want to go check out our Patreon, it's at duelinggenre.com slash support. Uh, if you support us at the $5 level a month or higher, uh, you will gain access to all the free bonus content that we put up on our Patreon, including the uh, Spider-Man Minute Weekend Bugle, Ooh, uh, yeah. where Zach and I talk about um, just, you know, Spider-Man related stuff every week. Uh, we'll talk about like a comic story or a cartoon or a video game, like whatever, whatever we want to talk about. And then uh, we do that every other week. And then when we will be on hiatus from this show, we'll be doing it weekly on the Patreon. So that'll be the only way you'll get your Spider-Man minute fix. <laughs> uh, so go to duelinggenre.com slash support and, uh, and help us out there. Uh, it is very much appreciated. And of course, go check out 
uh, Brad's uh, two shows. Uh, go check out Cosmic Geppetto and uh, Minute of Darkness uh, so that uh, you can check out all the stuff that he's working on. And we will be back on Monday with Minute 66. Bye. Bye. Bye.